0: You're listening to Sunset Radio, the Sailor's Radio Station. Yes, I'm back down under, and that means it's time for Show 46. This is Nick Douglas for Adventures of a Sailor Girl. We'll be chatting with Ian Walker following his win in Lorient for the Volvo Ocean Race. Jason Waterhouse and Lisa Dumannon from Weymouth. They are a force to be reckoned with in the NACRA 17 at the moment. Hillary Lister on the ground at the Volvo Ocean Race. Gosh, she has some fantastic plans coming for crossing the Atlantic. Paul Larson on what is to come next for speed rocket and all of the action from the america's cup world series in Gothenburg. thank you so much for joining me welcome 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 everybody yes here we are back for show 46 it's been a while i've been here there and everywhere but i am back down under there's so much action to cover this show i think we're just going to kick straight off into our first segment sailing news in 60 seconds ish. Andrew Ashman, 49 years of age, from Orpington, Kent, has passed away following an injury during reefing the main onboard Inca Cole on the first leg of the Clipper Round the World Yacht Race, 120 nautical miles off the coast of Portugal en route to Brazil. I don't really know what else to say, except all my thoughts are with the crew and family and friends of Andy at this time. We will be keeping posted to bring you further updates. The entire crew from Coal are now safe and sound in, in hotels in Portugal. So we're, we're waiting to hear further updates and following a full investigation. More bad news for Eric Heal, the bronze medalist at the Rio test event. He has been diagnosed with MRSA or multi-resistant bacteria infection. There's no confirmation or linkage to Rio as yet yet and we are standing by this is the latest in a long line of indicators that the waters off Rio are potentially unsafe for athletes leading into 2016 to some good news, the 2015 international 18 foot skiff regatta in San Francisco including the bridge to bridge has wrapped up Yamaha with McDiamond, Stevens, and McCormack fought hard to take the win over the four up crew of SeaTech, Tech, Valings, Barnes Clark and Brazel, if you haven't seen the footage guys of them ripping around the bay and beating a record of up to 32 knots on the 18-foot skiff, you really do need to have a look. Third was Harkin with Howie Hamlin, Daniel Phillips and Skip McCormack. Speaking of skiffs, the Australian season is about to kick off. Three new hulls being brought to you by Ven Munster Boats. I'm looking forward to following that as the Australian season heats up. We do have confirmation that Comanche will be returning for the Rolex Sydney Hobart. You can check out my interview with Ken Reid on the website, www.adventuresofasailorgirl.com. I can't wait to follow all the action ...down here and down under. But this show, guys... It's all about Europe, wrapping up the adventures that I've had over the past 12 weeks. We'll be kicking off the show with an interview I did with Ian Walker straight after Abu Dhabi took out the Volvo Ocean Race for 2014-15 in Lorient. They did win with basically a leg to spare, but we'll be hearing from him as well as an interview I did with Jace Waterhouse and Lisa Darman at the Weymouth Sail for Gold Regatta. They've continued their leading form taking out the test event in Rio. It'll be great to hear from those two. Hilary Lister, one of the 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 most inspirational people in sailing you'll ever hear from. I managed to catch up with her on her future plans. She's going to sail a 40-footer across the Atlantic. She is actually a quadriplegic. You won't even be able to tell until a little bit into the interview. As well as a complete wrap-up from day two of the America's Cup World Series in Gothenburg, plenty of exclusives from Nathan Outeridge, Jimmy Spithill, and also Glenn Ashby talking about just why Pete Burley might have a bit of an edge over the others in light air, which did ring true on day two as they went to take out that win in Gothenburg and an exclusive here for Adventures of a Sailor Girl I'll be playing my chat that I managed to get with Paul Larson straight after the Fastnet race talking about everything that's happening for Speed Rocket both past and present there's a few little announcements potentially there might be uh, some more records coming up for those guys but you'll have to stay tuned thank you so much for joining me here back for show 46 It's been a while since I've been on the air. I'm a little bit rusty, but it's awesome to have you all here joining me. This is Nick Douglas for Adventures of a Sailor Girl, safely back down under. We'll be right back after this break. Yes, we are back and there's so much action to get through. We're going to kick straight into our first interview that was with Ian Walker, in Lorient when Abu Dhabi Ocean Racing had effectively taken the Volvo Ocean Race for 2014-15 with a leg to spare. A few technicalities, they did need to get the boat up to Gothenburg in one piece, but they did that, as we've all seen, and I thought we'd just do a bit of a flashback from from Lorient. This was the start of a 12-week adventure for me all the way through Europe, and I guess it was one of the biggest moments too, which is pretty exciting. (laughs) this is nick douglas adventures of a sailor girl on the ground in beautiful Lorient in france and congratulations ian walker your first win in the volvo ocean race pretty awesome for abu dhabi ocean racing
1: yeah it was pretty special yesterday was a yesterday was a great day i think it was, we kind of we crossed the finishing line and we all kind of went quiet it's like we've only we've only gone and done it um, so uh but no real time to celebrate here because we're, we're back into it just having meetings about the next leg and yeah. Out to sea again, but oh, uh, yeah, can't wait to Gothenburg.
0: Unbelievable. The first time I sat down with you was in Auckland, and then we sat down again in Newport, and there was still so much to play for. Did you actually think this moment would happen so early?
1: Um, I mean, Dongfeng were, were sort of have been a yeah. thorn in our side the whole race because they've just been so fast in the light, and we never really got that under control all race. Um, But we had some conditions we were fast in, and I never doubted our team has been really strong. Um, We just wanted some stronger wind and and less light air. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the last leg was really frantic. Uh, We sort of had it under control, then we didn't, then we did, then we didn't. Um, And I was pretty nervous right up until rounding Ile de Um, In the end, it panned out perfectly for us. Not only did we beat... Brunel and Dongfeng, but also having one boat between us really helps as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and the first and second coming into Lorient, I mean, it's probably strange to think that a lot of people were, were willing the girls to come first across the line. So still to finish on the podium, got you the win. Did, were you happy for the girls to have a win? Uh,
1: uh, there's nobody wanted the girls to win more than me, uh, <laughs> apart from themselves. I mean, when they sort of bolted on the first night, you know, I actually think this is perfect. Like, if, if the girls and could tie up first and second place, that was that was uh, a great thing for us because the last thing we wanted was Dong Fong or, um, mm. or Brunel to win with us down the pan. So just getting those first few places out of the way was... Um, was 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 a, was a relief. Um, yeah. They sailed a great race, and, and funny enough, I I tipped them to do well because they've been. P- nobody's really highlighted it, but they've been really good upwind all race. Yeah. Everyone talks about the first few days and stuff, but actually that not that the case mm. at all. The reason they did well out of Brazil was because it was still upwind, and they exactly. they've been struggling reaching and downwind, but upwind they've been going just fine. And um, all they had to do was sail smart, which is what they did. So you know, fantastic yeah. result, and great for great for the race, and great for them, and great for women sailing, and. Um, uh, and not too bad for us either, fortunately. <laughs> it might have been different it was the first leg. I might have been not saying the same thing. Exactly. But uh, right now, it was, it was a perfect story.
0: Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And for you personally, I know this is your third time around, but the second for ABW Ocean Racing, how does it feel? I mean, you've done Olympic sailing, you've done AC sailing. To get this one as well, does that feel good, you know?
1: Oh, it feels, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. I think it... it um, I, you know, eight years ago I didn't even consider myself to be an offshore sailor I didn't even mean yeah. to skip the race I only did it because we couldn't get anyone else we didn't have a budget to pay anybody else so <laughs> I was like I'm going to have to go and do I'll this I'll have a go yeah. and then you know, we learnt so much we had such a hard time in the last race um, and I think it kind of just shows that if you work at something and don't give up and you know, you've got to put the work in, it doesn't just come, oh, gosh, doesn't no. just come easy, um, we've had to put a lot of hard work mm-hmm. in and um, thank goodness Abu Dhabi stood, stood by us after yeah. the last race, they could have easily have said thanks, we're going to get someone else to do it this time, mm-hmm. but they stood by us and um, we managed to have a blank sheet of paper, this is the first time we've had the time to plan everything properly, mm-hmm. we had the budget to do what we needed to do. We got good guys, had a group plan, and it's all dropped into place. Fortunately, yeah. nothing went wrong. It doesn't. Always, you can't always say that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and and you can't really say third time lucky either, because as you say, this this core unit, the team, has mm. really gelled well together. I think it seems to be the strength of Abu Dhabi Ocean Racing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny, isn't it? You you always look at the teams that win, and you think, oh, you know, they're a strong team, and they. Yeah. But it it's sort of. You, know, you only really get tested when things don't go well. When you're winning, everybody's always happy. Um, and we didn't have that many moments where it wasn't going well. Sure. But we had some tough times in leg seven, and we had periods and other legs, even in leg two early on. You know, we didn't have a good leg to Abu Dhabi. We had the last place in the import race in in New Zealand. So we have had some dis- You're not gonna sell all these legs and all these import races without making some mistakes and getting things wrong. And that's when I think we were strong. You know, the heads never dropped. Um, there was no sort of backstabbing or blaming or anything. I think, you know, everyone believed that we would come out and in the end um, which is what happened so so that was good and i think our shore team's been really strong as well i think we've been you know the best prepared i think our boat's immaculate and then i think that breeds confidence in the sailing team
0: definitely i mean and and you see you guys when you head out there's a massive camaraderie when you come on shore and you're saying and I'm, i've been saying congratulations to the shore crew as well because they're just as much a part of it as as you guys are
1: yeah and no, it's the first thing you do is you look for the people on the dock who you know there's some of these guys I've worked with now for three races Such um, a family, it's beautiful. you know and it doesn't matter what anybody does you know one of the most emotional people yesterday was Karen who does <laughs> who does the finances and, yeah. and and pays the bills and she was in floods of tears um having having you know because she'd been through some of the tougher times with us as well mm. so she you know it's um you know it's good fun it's good fun to win you sometimes have to do badly to appreciate the good times mm, uh, right now it's the good times, we're yeah. going to enjoy this last leg. Uh, they're going nuts in Abu Dhabi. Yay! I can't wait to get out there. and. Um and I can't wait for my family to come out to Gothenburg as well. Oh, so, um, brilliant. so, you know, we haven't because there's such a short stopover. none of us or not many of us have got our, you know, friends and family here. Yeah. So, much better to share it with everybody else in Gothenburg.
0: Excellent. Well, I'll be on the dock in Gothenburg too. It'll be a nice arrival for you guys. And I guess uh, you can't really think about what's next around the corner, uh, what might be next for you guys. But, uh, but I'm sure you'll start thinking about it on the way to Gothenburg now.
1: <laughs> well, believe it or not, some of the guys are leaving the next day to go to uh, America and do the transatlantic on Comanche. (laughs) So, um, yeah, for me, you know, I take a bit of a break. It takes quite a while to get over this race. Um, Obviously, we've got a lot of work still to do in Abu Dhabi. Um, and hopefully this isn't the end of the story for Abu Dhabi Ocean Racing. Hopefully this is, this is just the beginning or the middle. We'll see.
0: I hope so, and, and I just want to go back. You, you said that uh, you haven't really had tough times this race, but you've had tough times in previous Volvo Ocean races, I think, maybe for this team, and, and it's great to see you guys have a good one, and I'm really happy for all of you.
1: No, thank you very much, yeah. I can Thinking back to when our mast fell down on the yeah, first night exactly. of the last race, we've come a long way from then.
0: Yeah, no, that's, it's absolutely brilliant, and congrats from lorient and the volvo ocean race with not only a win for abu dhabi but a leg win for team sca i headed straight up to weymouth via concano for the figaro stopover to catch up with all of the olympic sailors at the isaf world cup event in weymouth sail for gold managed to chat with plenty of gold medal winning sailors and you can catch all of those interviews at our YouTube channel or via our website at com. but I wanted to play this one with Jason Waterhouse and Lisa Darman and they are Aussies and I have been following them both for a little while now. They have taken gold most recently at the Rio test event so they're just on fire. Let's have a listen to the action on the ground from Weymouth. <coughs> this is Nick Douglas, Adventures of a Sailor Girl in Weymouth. I didn't think I'd get here to see you guys, but it was a good day to come. A win in the ISAF World Cup here. How exciting.
2: Yeah, obviously a good day for us. You know, the, the gold medal is what we wanted at the end of the day. And we worked pretty hard all week. The conditions were the two extremes, really. The no wind in the, for the medal race and heaps of breeze for the out there and near. The, uh, out there on the ocean so um yeah it was was, we're really happy
0: (laughs) yeah i I can't even imagine how you're feeling right now it's been a big year you had third in the world championships and then and then now here at the the venue of the last olympics does it feel nice i guess going into to the next events i mean still close between you guys and nina and, and bundy though yeah, I mean, we've got our World Championships, our next event, so it's really reassuring to post a good result here. And there's a lot of things that we need to work on still. So no, it was a really good uh, event for us. We we learned a lot, and we've got a bit of work to do. But uh, it's 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 great to come home with the gold, and it's great to see Bundy and Nina up there pushing us because. We're going to use him all the way to Rio, and they're going to use us, so we'll see what exactly. happens. <laughs> exactly. I think it's a pretty good position to be in. I, I think some people would say, oh, you know, it's a bad position to be in, but you guys, I've been a, a bit of an acro for a while now, and it's nice to be here to, to see you guys on the water, but I think it's really a strength leading forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, you see that in our, like our laser squads, the 49er squad, and, and obviously the 470s, and... And I think it's just an—it's really important part of—is not only progressing yourself to a gold medal, but as a as a professional sailor, and yeah. that's all we want to do in our in our life—is be the best professional sailors we can be, whether it be that's you know, you know, sailing the knacker here or sailing the knacker and. Whoop, whoop, doesn't matter we just want to be the best that we can be at the end of the day so we're just working towards that every day.
0: Awesome <laughs> and the, uh, you're talking about being the best sailor you can be I know you're doing a lot of other sailing on the side heading to the extremes in Cardiff very soon we're going on a road trip.
2: Yeah yeah I've got to drive to uh, <laughs> we've got to get on the ferry tonight and um, a bit of uh, get the boat on the way to Aarhus, and then, yeah, I've got to fly back to Cardiff, and Lise is going to come, so I'll take it for a sale on the X40, and, uh, yeah, we'll get the Red Bull guys. Hopefully we can get another win there, so we'll keep it uh, all gold medals on one continent.
0: (laughs) Absolutely awesome. I've got a few people at home who wanted to give you some shout-outs. They were watching with bated breath. Kept everyone a little bit stressed during that medal race. (laughs) What do you reckon, Lise? Yeah, well, uh, well, we were very calm out there, so don't worry. And <laughs> no, I think we aged Landy 20 years in uh, 20 minutes, so poor thing. But no, it was, yeah, it, thanks to everyone watching home. I know we, lo- we love getting all the messages when we get on the internet later, and it's, it's great to know that everyone at home is up, up late watching the tracker go round and round, so you know, it's really good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Imagine the days when you were, uh, <laughs> you know, the FIQ. Imagine the days when you didn't have the tracker and the, and the TV. No, it's pretty it's pretty good. I mean, maybe today that wasn't the best. Watching, but it's still nice to to live vicariously, I guess.
2: I don't know. That would have been the best race I've ever seen in my <laughs> life on the tracker. Like I reckon, there would have been, we would have been out of the medals for a minute, then gold for a minute, then silver. It would have been ridiculous. So
0: it was complicated. I'm telling you, I got a bit stressed myself watching. But hey, at the end of the day, I've got this little. Uh, Beauty here, guys. Uh, How good's this? Yeah, yeah. You can, you should be able to take this one home. What do you reckon?
2: (laughs) Oh well, we'll we'll give it back and we'll just get it back the next event. That's the plan. (laughs)
0: That sounds good to me. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for catching up with me and uh, and I'll see you soon. How are you? Please. I forgot to ask you? The interview. How quick was that sticker and the extra bubbles, extra flotation? Oh, extra bubbles. That, that was just like, yeah, it was speed stripes, speed stripes. That no, worked perfectly. So we might have to uh, get get you to come to a few more events. Uh. I think I'm now the official Australian sailing team sticker on rock. Yeah, um, never be good at a bad job, but yeah, if you want to come, yeah, feel free. I'm loving it. <laughs> From Weymouth, it was straight on to Carter for the Extreme Sailing Series and at the end of that event, overnight travel to make it in time to see Alva Medica win the last leg of the Volvo Ocean Race for 2014-15. There is an interview with both Will Oxley as well as the skipper Charlie Enright on my YouTube channel. But I wanted to play you this interview. It is my favourite from Gothenburg with Hilary Lister. She is a quadriplegic. She is absolutely amazing. And she is now going to sail across the Atlantic on her 40-foot boat that you will hear about in this interview. Have a little bit of a listen. Absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah, Just, just no words, really. This is Nick Douglas' Adventures of a Sailor Girl with Hilary Lister. On the roof of the beautiful Sailors Terrace here in Gothenburg. Pretty glamorous, isn't
3: it? It's absolutely incredible, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> all these boats and, um, yeah, glamorous people everywhere. Oh, no, I know, I feel a little bit out of place. Yeah, me too, definitely.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I don't do glamorous. No. <laughs> well, and, and I, but we get sailing, don't we? You might get sailing a little bit.
3: Yeah, I hope I'm going to get out on the Extreme 40 tomorrow. So yeah. GAC have got their Extreme 40 here. Yeah, which is pretty exciting. But you yourself,
0: you've done quite a number of, uh, sh- shall we say, ocean race cross- crossings. which Might put a few of these Volvo Ocean Race sailors to shame. Um,
3: <laughs> I don't know about that. I've um, I've done a few mad things. So I've um, I've sailed around Britain in a boat that was small and. Uh, so, so tiny in that it slammed a lot and every third wave came in my face. I did like a counting average one day. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, I've ended up swimming inside my clothes. Oh, my god! So that was the first time in 20 years I've been swimming. It's quite cool, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of freedom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah nice
0: so. to feel weightless, but
3: you you are uh,
0: people who are who are watching may not actually realize that you um, you're actually a quadriple- quadriplegic Oh yeah, I forget that when I'm talking about sailing sorry um, <laughs> no no, don't don't say sorry it's really good that people get to meet you this way, just the same as you know I've, I've, I've met you as well this week.
3: yeah, I think you know I'm paralyzed from the neck down yeah. it is kind of the, the reality, but when i um, with sailors. I just feel like another sailor. How cool is that? That's fantastic. That's all I want to be known for. I don't want that tag, you know, disabled sailor. I just want list Lister sailor. That's fine. Well, that's how I know you. (laughs) Thank goodness for that.
0: (laughs) No, but but you've done some fantastic sailing and we'll get you out on the extreme tomorrow and I might come as well. We'll have a bit of yahooing together. But uh, I mean, what what does it mean to you to be here at the, the Volvo Ocean Race Village?
3: uh it's so exciting i mean i've watched the volvo ocean race from afar from you know 2005 when i started sailing and um i've been jealous of these guys on every leg ever since um even the really nasty southern ocean ones so um yeah it's just such a privilege to be here so and especially you know with Andrew Pindar and all the guys that have backed me from the very beginning. Um, yeah, it's a real honour. It's, it's
0: amazing and it's, it's nice here, I guess, being on the Sailors Terrace as well, which is supported by GAC and, um, and GSC Pindar, which is, which is awesome. But some of, the, some of the things that you've done, I mean, what, what possessed you to, to want to sail such long distances? I mean, you are a sailor, as you say, and we're all,
3: we've all got that spirit, I guess. Is, is it yeah. part of that? It's partly that. Mainly I think all sailors sail for the same reason, which is when you leave the dock, you leave all your problems behind. You can't think about anything else. All you can think about is, you know, where the wind's coming from, are the sails set right? Am I going fast as I can? Am I traveling, you know, in in an efficient way? Um, But when you add that to that, the freedom of leaving behind a disability. Mm. On the sea, I am as able-bodied as the next person. Yes. I may sail using straws which connect to motors, um, but other than that, you wouldn't know that I was disabled. And it's the only time in my life when I get to decide where I want to go, when I'm going to go there, and how I'm going to get there. And that's, that's massive when you think that normal life for most disabled people and, and me is sitting on a sofa um, waiting for the next carer to show up to either put me to bed or feed me pills. You know, it's, it's such a huge change. It's, it's incredible. I mean,
0: I know a lot of sailors, as you say, go sailing for the freedom of it, but freedom. I guess it just gives everybody a bit of perspective as to, to that word, just how, how much that is key.
3: Yeah, I mean freedom really doesn't quite cover it. It's yeah. it's almost like somebody's giving you wings, you know? <laughs> yeah. I can only that for an able bodied person that would be the equivalent I guess. So It's
0: yeah. absolutely incredible. And I know that we've spoken a little bit about uh, people having access to sail to to give them that same ability, to give them the the ability to grow those wings.
3: Yeah, well, I mean Sailability does a great job in the UK but around the world there are disabled sailors everywhere and um, the last sale I did was from Mumbai to Muscat and so we needed a really reliable system that I knew wasn't going to break down mm. and Roger Crabtree who lives in New Zealand yeah. um, built this very simple system for me that we based around a PLC board these cost between fifty and a hundred dollars and for that you can um, convert pretty much any boat depending on how much you want to convert it you can do anything from just the steering all the way up to you know being able to reef the mainsail unbelievable and
0: you said that there's disabled and able-bodied sailors, will say, all around the world, but there are also potentially people who are able-bodied
3: and disabled who haven't fell, fallen in love with the sport yet as well. Or maybe they haven't been exposed to it then, that's all I <laughs> We need say. to inspire them. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, you know, if, if people try it, particularly disabled people, um, they just will find a degree of freedom on the water that they can't find anywhere else.
0: Yeah, more people on the water more often. Like, in general.
3: Yeah, just, just, I mean, we could have meetings while we're sailing. Mm. We could do, you know, we could do pretty much everything while we're sailing, yeah, really. so
0: we should just move life to the water.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm that with you on like that.
0: Good, sounds like a good thing now. It's, it's quite cool because, I mean, my, my blog is called Adventures of a Sailor Girl and so is the radio show, and everyone started calling me the Sailor Girl, but I think maybe, maybe your adventures are just
3: way more out there than mine. I, uh, I, I feel fake. <laughs> no, <laughs> no way, no way, no way no everybody way. is, you know, I think everybody does the most they can do with their lives mm. and sailors are really the people I think who push that that live every day to the max yeah. kind of thing, to the absolute limit. Yeah. Um, and that's partly what attracts me to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're go-hard
0: or go-home people, right? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs>
3: work hard, party hard.
0: Work hard, party hard, I mean, I've got, I've got to be a bit cautious about that. I wish I had Sonny's right now, actually. <laughs> no, but, but, but it's been awesome to meet you, and I know we've had a little bit of a chat as well about, um, you know, maybe not the issue of, of disabled sailing getting back into the Olympics, but maybe some more solutions, because that seems to be a great way to inspire people and to expose them to be able to, to have their own wings.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there are a million different ways that you can get in a boat, whether you start off as a passenger as I did and then find an engineer who's capable of hooking up um, a, an autopilot drive to uh, joystick, because yeah. it is only just a switch. Switch it one way and you'll go to port, switch it the other and you'll go to starboard.
0: That is the coolest thing. It's so it's really... just like a tiller? <laughs> yeah,
3: it is basically a mechanical tiller. Yeah. It's fabulous.
0: That is incredible. And so, what, what what's the next adventures that you're planning? Because I'm sure you've got thousands in your brain. Um, just like we all do.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, some some of the dreams are further away than I would like them to be, and some are uh, more realistic, let's say, but um, I guess, for me, the biggest thing is that when everybody else sees land, they're all going, oh, think of the food we can eat, that hasn't been dehydrated, rehydrated, left to go cold and then forgotten about, you know. Um, I'm just thinking, oh, this has to end, this freedom has to end, I have to go back to, a life where I'm relying on other people to do everything for me, and um, so yeah, for sure, more more ocean passages, please. All I need is a 40-foot boat. <laughs> I promise I'll give it back, maybe even in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So,
0: if anybody wants to help you out, <laughs> yeah, quite. Yeah, know yeah, yeah. no, that's fantastic. Yeah. And and we can read more about your adventures on on your website as well.
3: Yep. So you can look me up on hillarylister.com, yeah. and look up uh, my charity, which helps get other disabled people on the water as well. Um, it's called the Hillary's Dream Trust because um, unfortunately there was a Dream Trust already, so I had to have my name in front of it. Oh, but that's not, that's, that's not a bad thing at all because it, it's, it's pretty inspiring
0: but I mean it's also lovely that you want to share this experience of being out on the water
3: with everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a buzz, isn't it? You get, it's such a buzz. How can you not want to share it? I know someone went out on the Extreme 40 this morning and they said,
0: "Oh, you know, you won't be experiencing the same thing as me, but when that hull lifted out of the water, I just yahooed. And I said, oh, no, no, I do that every single time. Oh, and even when I'm on the rib and I see it lift up, I go, yeah.
3: woohoo, because I'm living vicariously. It's awesome. It is just incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Watching them, watching these guys at, at the peak of their careers, Performing at the highest level is just, all, you know, jaw-droppingly awesome.
0: Yeah. But like you said, we all have our own adventures and, and one doesn't mean more than, than, than the other. And there's people who are club sailing who are achieving their own dreams every day and hopefully you'll get to do your next adventure on that 40-foot boat as well.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you no, know, it doesn't matter what your dream is, you just have to try and go for it.
0: Yeah, you know, that's unbelievable. Thank you so much for chatting with me, and um, and I look forward to going sailing with you tomorrow. Yeah, fantastic! Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> See what I mean about inspirational, Hilary Lister, incredible, <laughs> absolutely amazing. You, you definitely have to follow that one's journey. Uh, she's just. I don't I don't know how to explain it in words but just one of the most inspirational sailor girls you'll ever meet and she calls me a sailor girl so I call her a sailor girl and and it's all happiness and I have managed I did manage to catch up with her later on in in the European adventure which was absolutely brilliant at cows week she did go for a sale with with team SCA as well so you can check out a lot of her other adventures via the team SCA page so have a look there from the Volvo Ocean Race in Gothenburg for me it was straight down to Lara Shell for the J70 worlds from the J70 worlds and live commentary for a a week, I headed straight back to the UK and on to the America's Cup World Series in Portsmouth. From there, over to Poland for the Energosopo match race. I did also have Match Cup in there somewhere as well. So we'll put that one in the mix. And then on to Cow's Week and also the Fastnet race where I did do a bit of work with Team SCA. Absolutely awesome. Finishing off the trip with the America's Cup World Series in Gothenburg, but first I've managed to catch up with Paul Larson on everything that's happening with Speed Rocket. Uh, both past, present and, uh, and into the future, they're going to be looking to set a few more records. This one's a bit of an exclusive and I know a bunch of you adventurers have been waiting to hear from the man himself, the fastest man on water. I believe it's 64-plus knots that he's held over 0.5 nautical miles. Absolutely incredible. Let's hear from Paul Larson. This is Nick Douglas for Adventures of a Sailor Girl. And on the line, direct from WayVisa, we have Paul Larson, currently the holder of the fastest man on water record. Paul, how it feel to be so quick?
4: uh it's good it's uh well we it's funny just doing the fast net going into the beer tent and uh, meeting friends old and new and stuff and obviously that's uh how you keep getting introduced and stuff and every time i hear it it makes me smile because it as most people know you followed the story it took 11 years to get that title so uh there's a few uh bumps and bruises and scars on on this uh <laughs> on this noggin here to to get that title so yeah i'm a I like. It. I like
0: it. Yeah, it sounds like it's taken a few whacks. And when something takes that long, and when you've put so much work into it, I think you deserve to smile every time you hear it. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now, what are you up to? I I met you because uh, we were sharing a room with your lovely Helena, who I believe is <laughs> cooking your dinner right now at Cow's Week. Uh, you, you're working with concise. I, I think we had a bit of a chat about it over gin and tonics. It's all a bit hazy, Cow's Week.
4: That's right. We did, I think it was Ladies' Day, and uh, yeah, we're sitting there in the rain drinking gin and tonics, which is a very British thing to do, but it was, uh, no, it was lovely. There was a bill that escalated quite quickly, actually. <laughs> so, but, yeah. So, so it, it was, uh, we were training, working, concise, 10, uh, Mod 70 up for the Fastnet race, and uh, I've been asked to, to join that team. Uh, it's a team that's sort of focused on bringing new British sailing talent uh, onto these boats and giving them a, a good platform to take their careers forward, I suppose, and it's kind of funny for me to look around and think, I'm the old boy here, <laughs> and, and not, not by months either. So it's, uh, it's a real pleasure. Great team and, and uh great boat, and uh, for, for me to stay current and get out there and, and rack up all these miles on these boats whilst we're designing other boats in the side and you just see sort of what the state of the art is and to do a race like the Fastnet where you're looking at boats like Spindrift and the new Foiling and Mocker boats and all those things, it's all it's all relevant. It all goes into, into the pot for what we're doing next.
0: Yeah, absolutely incredible. Now, talk to me a bit about the Fastnet, which a few people have started calling the Slownet. <laughs>
5: <laughs> your, yeah.
0: Yeah, your start was very interesting
4: our start was very average. Uh, our run up the Solent was fairly average, and uh, there was an average bit in the middle, <laughs> and then it deteriorated from there. No, it was uh, we, there was some stuff where uh, we know we could have done better. Uh, mm-hmm. It was our first, you know, uh, big race together. We did the Artemis Challenge before and came out of that, you know, feeling uh, you know pretty good and confident. But th- this year's Fastnet, it was a very interesting race. Uh, mm. There was um, well. For those behind us, they had a bit of breeze. We certainly didn't have that much breeze, but there were times, you know, we were rumbling along all right, but it was a very tactical race, and uh, you had to know when to change gears and change modes quite a lot, uh, change lanes quite a lot, and it was uh, if you got a few of those wrong, then you got punished quite severely, and I think uh, we did get a couple of them wrong. Some of them we were just unlucky with, so, you know, we can't we can't take all the blame, but on, on average, I think, when you look in our race, boats like... Uh, Fado and certainly Prince de Bretagne sailed very clean races, Fado especially. So any of us who made mistakes, um, they just didn't leave anything for us to, to We were hoping there was going to be compressions, you know. Yeah. Fastnet Rock, we thought, you know, we might come right back up on the fleet and see them in a parking lot. And We could see them all there, but uh, we never got that. And We are almost, we are very evenly matched, funny enough, even against Spindrift and, and mm. uh, Prince de Bretagne, which is an 80-foot boat, didn't seem to have any advantage in these conditions um yeah we were very even so uh yeah it was, it was fascinating to see it was, it was an interesting race it was a very good race and you know at the end of it i came away we were very quiet when we went across the finish line i mean we we even got rumbled by two uh comanche and rambler there under rain uh in the early you know pre-dawn light and then yeah. from plymouth and stuff and we sort of crossed the line and or shook our heads glad it was over but once a day had gone by and a session in the beer tent and hearing everyone else's stories (laughs) you know that these are quite often you know hard lessons are unwelcome at the time but they are the bedrock of future successes and it's uh you have to take good things from them and uh when we look back at that we say all right you know we might as well learn these lessons early rather than late and it's uh it was a lot to do with, you know, the communication we had on board and how, how we, uh, you know, structured that. So it's, um, it's all good. Good bunch of guys, good morale all the way through, good boat, and really it was an, an enjoyable race. We just didn't get the result we wanted.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, that sounds good. And, and given that you've had a, a few challenging things that you've taken on in your past, you, you well know that often a loss is much better for you than, uh, than a win.
4: Yep. Uh, kick, kick in the pants is a kick in the right direction. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, well, that's incredible. Sail Rocket certainly taught me that lesson. Uh,
0: yeah. And speaking of Sail Rocket, your current record that you hold is?
4: 65.45 knots. Oh, is that all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, it's not under threat yet, but I am uh, I watch everything that goes on and along and, and watch uh, quite often it's the little people in the background uh, tinkering around with ideas, I think. You know, there's a little bit of merit in that. If you, if yeah. you, if you stick at that, they, you know, there could be a little pot of gold at the end of that one, and uh, whether they do or not, it will be interesting. But, yeah, someone will come at it one day, so I'll enjoy it while it lasts.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Maybe maybe you'll get to challenge it yourself with a team, maybe not actually sailing, but maybe in design or development
4: later on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, I always think that, you know, you, you, you want to see someone else come and have a go at it. There'll, there'll be a time where... Uh, you know, it's nice to have it for a while, but you, you do want to see the sport develop and go forward. And uh, I say that, but in reality, when someone comes at it, I might be a lot more protuc- protective <laughs> about it than I know myself. One thing's for sure, and that's the uh, the boats got a lot more potential. And it's uh, that that was not the end of it. If mm. remember the timeline that we uh, that that our record attempts went on, we didn't have many windy days. And uh, once we worked out the trick to that boat, each windy day we went out and basically. Took the record significantly higher each time and
1: mm.
4: just 65.45 knots was done on the last windy day and if we had had five more days like that it would have been interesting to see where we ended up perhaps in hospital and i mean that yeah with all honesty it's um oh, at the end of that once we did that speed i was happy to get out of it and walk away intact uh accidents happen so quick and at that speed it would have been lethal in that boat because i'm um, um, the safety isn't you don't know how you're going to crash, so you don't know what sort of safety cell to make for those boats at that speed. Do you want to have a motorbike crash and get flung clear of it or do you want to, you know, be in a rally car and fully strapped in and ride it to the end? But, of course, we're in water, so then you need oxygen and all that sort of stuff. And So we got away with it. Um, (laughs) The next time it goes on the water, the safety will be given a lot stronger considerations because we know it will do those speeds. You pull that string and it will go that quick.
0: So it is going to go back on the water then?
4: I can't see any reason why it wouldn't. I mean, it's sitting, you know, a kilometre from where I'm talking now, and and it's uh, it's perfectly intact. It's it's ready to go out there and, and you know smash records. It can certainly probably raise the uh, nautical mile record. We do uh, talk about uh helena going and having a shot at that and if she went but nice. you know it, it will have to fit into the program and what we're doing next it, unless someone wants to come and uh, just back that one alone but if she does do it uh it would be the outright record she'd be going for it wouldn't be we wouldn't do the women's record it, sure. it, that, that boat doesn't care who pulls the strings so i don't think she should well we've discussed this and neither of us want of you know sort of you know d- diminish what a woman can do in that boat by just going for that record go out right and uh and go for it so yeah Un- and understandable and that, that, that'll be tough though i mean it's uh we have we hit 64 knots and broke the 500 meter record as well in that last mile run that's yeah. five knots over a mile it's uh <sighs> an amazing ride that that was well 65 knots is pretty cool too but the uh that run was uh you got 55 seconds or something like that to to enjoy the speed of the boat, whereas the actual 500-metre course only takes 14 and a bit seconds. It's just, it's you know, just a bit of swearing and it's over.
0: <laughs> so so here's an interesting thought for you, given that you might get a bit protective about the record and also I know that you're probably concerned for your own safety while partaking in this exercise. What would it be like to watch Helena doing
4: it? Uh, it would be quite scary. I've never seen either of the boats' sails, so mm. it's, uh, I've always been sitting in them. So... Uh, it would be, it would be fascinating. I'd certainly be uh, extra cautious with how the boat's set up and everything. Um, yeah, it'd be bloody scary. And I yeah. tell her, you know, if you're going to do this, you you want to do it. I, I, if if something does happen, I want. Is both to know that it was doing something you wanted to do and not something you've been talked into because it, it, yeah. it, it is no joke. And when you stand at the top of that course and you set yourself a wind limit of 30 knots, I guarantee it's going to be blowing 31 or 32 and you've got to say, well, you know, and everyone, the cameras are rolling and the WSRC are there and they on the ribs wondering if you're going to go or not. And, uh, it's bloody scary it, but if you want to do it and, you, and the the risks are worth it to you, then um, that, that's that's the thrill. Dealing with your own fears and, and doing a good job of it is you know is is the thrill. So uh, it's easy to pay at lip service at the start and say that's what I want to do. It's a different thing when you're about to walk on stage. So um, yeah, you know she has to be absolutely clear about that. So. Uh, you know, these are things we do talk about quite a lot and and if the money did come up at some stage or it did fit into the next program, then we'd have that discussion again and we'd both be very clear about that. Yeah. uh, If she wants to, then she can go forward certainly with my blessing and 100% support.
0: Absolutely incredible. Now, you've spoken a little bit about how hard it can be to make the call when it's 31 or 32 knots and we've spoken about why the world, fastest man title means a lot to you with 11 years of work behind it why, some people might wonder why did it take 11 years, for those who didn't follow the program and for those who don't know, what were you doing over those 11 years to bring about this record?
4: Well uh, these boats uh, weren't really based on anything else there wasn't uh, any precedent for what they should look like, Um, we knew the concept, the concept had been written about in 1963 by a chap called um, Bernard Smith and we use that as the basis for uh, for the boats. But uh, when you go out there, you can do all the modelling and all that, and you don't have a lot of money to start off with. Yeah. You try to, uh, you know, use what uh, credibility you have and, and what resources you have to get these things together. But you go out there and quite often learn th- uh, problems that are hidden away in the concept and that can be how it behaves you know you can look at nice static maths but when you put it in a dynamic environment of shifting gusts and winds and the boat's swinging around you find all these different problems and you don't always have the resources or the sponsor support to yeah to, to deal with these problems and after a couple of crashes as we had people can get a little bit you know risk averse and start to step back from it and you're left holding the baby so uh, one advantage I did have is that I didn't have any plan B to fall back on. Once we committed to that boat, it was, um, you know, if it failed, then our only, we got to a point where the only way out was to keep doubling down and keep going forward. And quite often I look at people who have got, you know, families or engineering companies or something like that, and I think oh, there's going to come a point where you're not going to be willing to risk it, whereas we, we had to keep going forward. Yeah.
0: Uh, I know but, that feeling.
4: Yeah. <laughs> It's actually, it's actually a position of power and it's uh, when I look at, you know, young guys coming into sailing now and they've just come out of Australia or New Zealand or somewhere down there and they're living out of a bag and uh, they're just happy to get on any boat they want to get onto, you think you're actually more powerful than you think you are because you, you'll just take a plane ticket and jump on something and if you keep that attitude, you'll end up wherever you want to go and yeah. it's, uh, I mean it's um so yeah, so we we had no no plan B and uh, so eleven years, lots of crashes, lots of research. Uh we thought I mean after six or seven years uh we got Star Rocket one and uh I thought I was within, you know, twenty seconds of getting the record when we did that somersault. I thought the fifty knot run and that's what was gonna put us as number one. And see that's a classic example. I thought I was gonna realize this dream there and actually it took us another four years and a whole new boat and, and a whole lot more money, 18 months in a build shed in these cows, you know, just uh, sweating out that new boat before we got the record and I sometimes wonder if 65 knots would have existed if I had have broken it with that first boat. So that's a classic case of, of being smacked down when you're so close but actually turning it into a much more beautiful story in the end. yeah. Know. By overcoming those failures so yeah we certainly and, and we had to fund it all ourselves initially so it was just any money that changed hands was just what malcolm and i would to go away and do a boat race and earn money and come back and chuck a few grand in into sail rocket and another uh, kitty yeah didn't expect to be a boat builder and you know we ended up building both of them um and uh you know we, we just for i think twenty thousand pounds we built sail rocket one including the wing and that's the complete build and design budget uh, with, you know, for a carbon Nomex boat. Thankfully, lots of product sponsors giving us material, but very little money changed hands. So that involved us rolling up our sleeves and spending long hours in the sheds and and all that was good too. You know, I, I'm really grateful. One of the best things that happened to us was no one gave us money at the start because it taught us to, um, you know, how to build and certainly taught me a lot more about design. And uh, when the boat broke and was in bits and pieces down in Namibia, I knew exactly how to put it together because we built it. So yeah. it was yeah. Like, eh. And slowly you dropped out of normal sailing and you say no to enough rides, you know, they, people stop calling. And so it's quite nice now to, to pop back up in sailing. And, and, you know, I really appreciate getting on someone else's boat and handing them a job list at the end of the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And, and being able to say yes again. But yeah, you, yeah. you must have learned so much from this whole program. You're probably invaluable to any boat you jump on
4: yeah it's good uh, it's uh, probably because I've learned to question things um, a lot more I, I don't just take it for granted that that's how it is and that's how it should be. You understand the the processes that might come into designing or making something real in front of you and uh, and that uh, you know, sometimes they just have to be signed off and they should be questioned afterwards. So I stand back and look at all aspects of the boat and also because we built some pretty interesting, uh, you know, systems and got them to work, I, you know, you can look at all systems and when people talk about foils and we should change this and do that, I, I can usually, I've probably got a good idea of the whole big picture and exactly what's involved in in designing and making and modifying and, and what the issues are. Um, and I, I find myself just sitting on a boat that I would just sit on and look at a foil and go, oh, yeah, that's a foil. Now I just find myself staring at it. You know, for hours, just just watching the intricacies of it, and exactly exactly what is going on there. You know, and uh, so, so
0: so offshore racing is probably really good for you. You're probably entertained most of the fastnet race just looking at things.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, all sorts of things. Watching that phosphorescence come off the foils. Oh, that,
0: amazing! Uh,
4: yeah, and then then you know you can see the, the, the this almost neon glow of this phosphorescence coming off the foil, and then you could play with the incidence of the foil and. Uh, and uh, play with the pitch and you could watch the tip vortices get bigger and smaller in this phosphorescence as it streams out the back and, you know, I'm just running around with a keep going, look at that, look at that, look at that. This is brilliant. It's like the ultimate, you know, tow tank. So, yeah, there's a, a, yeah. That is
0: absolutely awesome. So given that you're back in the sailing world but Sail Rocket is not dead, what is next for the fastest man in the world?
4: <laughs> well, uh, it's, we're designing Sail Rocket 3. That's a very... Active and ongoing process, it's, uh, and the hard thing is working out exactly uh, what it can do. Because it, you know we have it in our minds uh, that a sailing boat has these parameters, and if you do this to it, it will do that. And uh, so we build these velocity prediction programs and they become the bedrock of, of, of all our programs. So we have an idea, a concept, and then you uh, make this program and you say, what happens if you make it this long? What happens if you add a foil this size? What happens if you've got wing or a head saw like this? And it, it gives the numbers and adds the weight. And these these programs get more and more complicated. But every now and then, Uh, you'll ask it a question and the answers that come out of it are quite surprising. So you dig back into it and and, uh, you find interesting things. So with this boat, it's that different than than what's out there at the moment that uh, when we sit down and, and explain it to people, we have to justify... Why it's that different, and qualify mm. why it's worth being, you know, uh, that different, and show them the numbers of what it can do. And quite often, if you said to a sponsor and they say, "Oh, we're thinking of getting into sailing," they're probably not thinking they're going to get into backing what we're offering because they don't even know mm-hmm. it exists. And so, yeah. when you explain it to them. Their first thing is going to say, "That's that's a little bit risky. Do we want to have our name with something?" You know, that wacky, and I, I imagine a lot of them won't, but it, it's um, it's that philosophy prediction program where we sit there and go, look, you know, we're creatures who use, um, you know, engineering and science as our religion, and if you really believe in these numbers, if you can't fault these numbers, then what what are you basing your decision on? You know, it's um, so... And, and how, what process can we put in place where we can... Uh, Progressively work through these numbers and let the answers present them present themselves. And so, I, I know it's a wacky boat, you know. And, yeah, it's, but and, and it's
0: I, it's science. I mean, a theory is a theory until it's proven,
4: you know. It's, it's, uh, you know, uh, Hydropter was a wacky boat not so long ago. Now everyone's foiling, yeah. and it's uh, you know, rocket was a wacky boat till it does the numbers. And one thing we know with rocket uh, and uh, yeah, Hydropter is they end up delivering the numbers if you put enough time into them that they go quite they go quite well so we're saying these numbers are here and they're significantly better than what's out there now and i think it's a it's a, a jump that sailing has to make and it's uh as long as we keep sticking with these uh more conventional boats and i'm even talking the foiling boats and so, so on out there i look at the new massive and i'm Go, it's another trim ram with bit bigger foils on it. It'll be—we've just seen the, the fast net where those foils are, are a loss in light winds. You know they're dragging. Yeah. Them. If you can't get them out of the water, so they're going to be dragging all those t-rudders around. They're going to have, you know, um, a boat that's made. It'll go blisteringly quick in 24 hours, and and you know certain records it'll be very good at, no doubt about it. But uh, some days it'll be a, quite a compromise. So, um, yeah. So all, all this is is you know factored into the parameters we put into these vpps and this boat comes out astonishingly good so uh you won't have to wear foul weather gear you know you can get on it like you can get on an airplane or in your car in, in bad weather and turn the heating up and turn the music on and uh you know even start texting if you, <laughs> you love perfect. it
0: perfect yeah. <laughs> where do i sign up <laughs>
4: and in many ways the boat behind me there up there on the wall there
0: is
4: uh team phillips and that was a very you know inspirational boat in in many ways it was inspirational in its design and uh concept and and it's also inspiring that i don't want our boat to break you know to just go through the failings that boat had and um i'm very conscious of that and that was a that was a Hard lesson to learn. Certainly, that that program for us, that yeah. is a of all of us, and it's, uh, it doesn't have to end like that. So,
6: mm,
0: yeah, I mean, and, and but it's just nice to hear that there's more to come for the sail rocket program. I think for a lot of people
4: who have followed you for
0: a long time now.
4: <laughs> well, we did the straight afterwards. We did the Shackleton. Uh, stuff and I came and sat on the couch out there and I felt like I had the first day off I've ever had in my life. I felt like uh, I no longer had this weight of expectation or pressure on myself there and I I was happy with what I'd achieved and, you know, just felt very, you know, comfortable in my own skin for, you know, for once that, you know, I felt like I'd arrived in a way and then I made an effort not to do anything after that not to just say oh, will tell people this is what we think's next or yeah we're going to do such and such or we'll go looking for sponsors and anything and it takes quite a long time you think you take a week off it feels like a long time and it actually was about uh six months of just going and just hanging out and seeing what other people are doing going over seeing what you know uh, people are doing in san francisco and land yachting and all these other little things and i wanted to see what naturally f- filled that time you know if i didn't try and force anything in there because these projects take a lot out of you, you know, they take a long time, and you, one of the scariest thing a sponsor can do is say yes, because that means you've got to go and do this thing, and you're constantly, oh god damn it, you know, like uh, <laughs> there goes the weekends, and it's um so, uh, yeah we, and slowly, Star Rocket 3 just emerged, and next thing you know, I was just obsessed in, in, in the in the rooms up here, and all the spare bedrooms were pulled out, became man caves, and the loft got converted, and vacuum hoses are running up and down, and this kitchen, you know, there was you know three floors of, of models getting built, and uh, it, th- that's what we want to do. That's what fills our empty time. So I'm I'm perfectly happy that it, I'm glad we took the time off, and I'm glad that it came around that way because I'm confident this, this is what I'm passionate about. And this is this is what we want to do, and so sail rocket will keep on going. It's um you know it's, as long as there's an idea, as long as there's a, a truth out there that that uh, we believe is a better way than you sit there and say well instead of looking at other people to do it, people are kind of looking at us and saying, why don't you do it? And we go, well, we've got a good team. It'd just be a shame to disband it. We've <laughs> done great. We've got a thrill out of it. I think uh, people liked what we did. So it's, uh, keep the ball rolling.
0: It's absolutely awesome. Your passion is infectious and I'm loving it. <laughs> and no doubt lots of people will be listening to this and, and wanting to find out more. I think your website's still pretty active if you want to go and have oh, a look at everything. Is
4: it? it? We, no, we've um, we've been holding back on it. sort of... Mm. Um, yeah, we, we haven't made the new boat public or anything or, or what mm. it's about, probably just as well. I mean, in, in many ways we say we should do because by the time people are copying it, we've changed it radically and they're just <laughs> copying a bunch of mistakes. So it mightn't be that bad a thing. But, you know, we, we liken the ideas we've got now to, you know, a, a simple... A good pop tune is very catchy uh, and you can catch it and hum it after you've heard it a couple of times. But when you try and sit down and write one yourself, it's very hard. So if people see what we're doing, then a bunch of those ideas on their own are easy. But putting how they all work together and what they represent, that's – That's where it becomes quite clever, and you could, I could sit down in a room full of clever people and give it away, the whole two years' work away in six hours, and then they'd say, well, why do we need you? And it's uh, so, and that's you know, that's that's reasonable. So we we want to, uh, hopefully, the first time people will see it will be when a, a, a large prototype goes smoking by. (laughs) So watch this space. (laughs) Watch watch this space, yeah. There's a lot lot, lot between here and there, but we're very close to the stage where we're going to start uh, going out and looking for those partners who who want to join this journey from the start. And they're a rare breed, uh, the people who really want to be the first to be first and not to be the... The second person to claim their first you know like it's the, the so, true innovators <laughs> the true innovators because they've got to be ready for a roller coaster and they've got to be ready for everything that comes with it and uh thankfully we've got a story that says, shows all, all the the hard knocks and also the rewards that are there at the end for those who you um you know brave new frontiers
0: absolutely incredible. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you Helena who's in the background. <laughs> <Thank you laughs> for for uh, yeah, for, uh, for for being fantastic and supporting you as well and maybe we'll see her in a speed rocket sometime soon yeah. as well.
4: I, I, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I, I'm pretty sure it'll, oh well, we're, we're going to take it down here at Speed Week and rig the boat up for the first time and since it did that record run and just make sure she's all intact and she will be on display in Birmingham later in the year at the Advanced uh, Engineering Show up there. So that's a lovely context for this boat and they're yeah. very excited to have it. So um, yeah, if, if people like it and if we can play it down and, and be as humble as we like about it but people just want to see it and get it out there. So um, yeah, why not?
0: It's absolutely awesome. I will we'll have to touch base again, and um, I'm watching this space, especially if you're promising me uh, connectivity inside this pod. I'm very excited. Okay, okay.
4: You'll like this one. You'll like this one. Okay. <laughs> absolutely You've got awesome. You get the ride.
0: <laughs> and our last segment of this show, a wrap up of my final event while in Europe for the twelve week adventure. That was 13 media centres in 12 weeks. I was slightly exhausted and still am, I have to say. But the America's Cup World Series in Gothenburg, it was great to catch up with all of the skippers. Here's a bit of a mash-up of the interviews that I did. You can see all of the full interviews from this entire trip via www.adventuresofasailorgirl.com, so make sure you head there. If Facebook's your cup of tea or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat, it's at sailorgirl218. That's how you can find me. And, uh, and, and join the adventure. Well, Nate, it's been a tough few days for you, mate. How are you going?
7: Yeah, it's been a case of bend them and fix them the last couple of days. Um, you know, the guys, the shore crew guys last night did an amazing job. You know, there's a bit of damage on the wing re- required to fix, and you know, they were here till one last night putting it all together. They were back here at seven in the morning lifting the boat, putting it back in the water. You know, we're all here, down here with them and uh, the last thing we needed was to have to lift out again tonight to fix more things on the boat. So uh, it's, it's been tough but having said that um, you know, we started very well today and I thought that we've improved a lot since the last event and that's what these events are for is to sharpen your skills and get yourself better for the cup and uh, you know, we're not seeing the results on the board yet but you know, we're pretty confident they're coming.
0: It will come. I, actually, I thought you nailed that second start. You, you had the, the pin end, you're, you're ready to go but maybe not just enough speed.
7: Well, we, we nailed it 100%, but when, when your foil's all cracked open, um Is that what it, Yeah, we, we hit the finish, hit the rock, two boat lengths after the finish, right. and so we've got to lift out tonight to try and repair the board and the rudder. Glenn,
0: good day out there, two threes. I thought you were going to have a two in that second one, though.
7: Yeah, look, the racing
8: was, was close. We were a bit uh, you know, a bit bummed not to, to finish second in that last one. We had a great, great tussle with uh, Ben and his guys, and uh, really, really... Enjoyed the racing and, um, yeah, just a shame. Shame that they put their zero up right at the end there when we sailed into that lighter breeze. But uh, full credit to them. And, you know, Jimmy and the boys did a, did a good job to, to sneak away. They had a nice little break and, you know, managed to, uh, to probably look over their shoulder at the battle that we were having you know, a lot of the day. But uh, at the end of the day, the racing is what we're here for and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. So hopefully tomorrow, you know, double points, um, everything's up for grabs. So it's uh, the regatta's really going to start tomorrow in actual fact.
0: And a little bit lighter. It'll be interesting to see you guys race in some light breeze?
8: Yeah it'll be uh, pretty sort of old school traditional multi-hull racing to be honest and uh, without having the big jennicas like we used to in the lighter conditions it's going to be quite tricky to get the boats around the course you know with the code zeros you, you know you've got to do a huge heat up out of the jibes to, uh, to actually get downwind again so we'll be uh, certainly covering some covering some acreage trying to get downwind I think tomorrow but um, really looking forward to it obviously um, you know being a little bit lighter you know our guys that uh, it'll fall, fall our way you know in the bigger breeze the bigger boys tend to do pretty well and hopefully being a bit lighter will be, uh, be pretty slippery tomorrow.
0: Well you've definitely got the potential on board.
8: Yeah no look uh, with Pete, Blair, you know Ray and, and Guy, fantastic group of guys and you know we're only really just in our infancy of sailing together as a group. Uh, a lot to learn but uh, you know a fantastic opportunity here to do some racing and you know we haven't had a lot of time to do any training. Uh, obviously with the boats being shipped from one venue to the other and, and the rules so uh, no, every, every hour on the water for us is, is golden going forwards to uh, the next couple of years.
0: Everyone's been busy too, I mean everyone says that You've got probably the most cat experience under your belt. You've got Blair and Pete on fire in the 49er. Does that bring confidence to the team as well?
8: Oh, look, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, with Ray's experience of all the big boat sailing, I guess my multi-hull experience, you combine that and then you combine Pete and Blair's, you know, Olympic, you know, top-level experience together, you know, those guys have definitely got their eye in and, uh, you know, it's fantastic for me to be able to sail with those guys and know that they're, you know, on their game, the touchy-feely side of their sailing is as, is as good as you get and um, really it's just a matter for us to combine as a group, um, you know, put our best foot forward and, um, you know, utilise that uh, that those skill sets.
0: Ben, tricky day out there, but you sailed exceptionally well, especially that first race. I think you really were pegging the Oracle guys back all the time.
9: We did, yeah. We came through well in the first race, and it was was close at the finish. We were not far off Oracle. And the second race, we were were going well. We had a bit of a disaster at one of the women marks, and we got caught the wrong side of the island and lost a huge amount of, uh, of ground to Oracle. The Kiwis overtook us. And that was a little bit of a dark moment in our day, I suppose. Oh, no! Uh, but after that, we got it together and managed to just pip the Kiwis on the line. So the guys sailed really well. They really put in in today to get us back uh, with two good finishes and all to play for tomorrow with double points.
0: Absolutely awesome. And you popped that code zero. Look good.
9: Yes, we got it, got it out at the right right time, right, <laughs> right, 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 right for the finish there and just got over the Kiwis, which was a nice, nice little uh, point extra for us.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, good luck tomorrow. Thanks. Hopefully you can uh, Get yourself back up there.
10: Yes, we'll try.
9: Jimmy, what a riffer.
10: Yeah, it was a good day. The boys did a great job, really, on board. I mean, the first one, we definitely made a few mistakes here and there. and um, But the second one, I thought was great. It was the first time the team was really working well together. Tommy had a great day all day in the wind, yeah. really. Um, you know, the first one, he got us out of trouble a couple of times when we had a couple of bad manoeuvres. And second one, we were able to put it all together, and the boat handling and the speed, and then he did his thing and it was, yeah. uh, we are able to sail away.
0: Yeah, you're the first to identify that left, I think.
10: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was looking at that before the race, you know, and and it was a couple of times the right was looking good, but it, yeah, it was a bit of a left-hand racetrack. Yeah.
0: It's the first start as well, you just hammered it off the pin end there, south from Tulloward. That was that was really good to watch.
10: Yeah, the, it was quite a wide wind angle mm. coming off there. That's usually the reaches are a little bit tighter, so yeah. that we just felt that would be pretty powerful to be lured boat initially. I thought we might get rolled, but we um, again like Louis. Is just a friggin' animal winding that wing winch. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty nice having having him spinning it.
0: Yeah, nice. Oh, that's really good to hear. And, and the, the team's going well together, a few little changes on board?
10: Yeah, they are. I mean, obviously, Kinley Fowler did an awesome job last time. He actually sailed the whole regatta last time with a broken hand.
0: That's the end of day one here at the Louis Vuitton America's Cup World Series in Gothenburg. We do have Oracle Team USA leading the way, but you just heard Ben is going to bring it tomorrow, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. It was also great to hear from Nathan Outeridge. They did have some damage on their foils at the finish of the first race today, which is why they then used race two to test their code zero, given that tomorrow's looking like much lighter conditions. Also great to touch base with. Glenn Ashby. There's so much more potential coming from Emirates Team News. Zealand, I can just feel it. This is Nick Douglas for Adventures of a Sailor Girl. Dino, what a cracker in that last one—a second. That's that's the potential we want to see.
5: Yeah, well, it's felt like we uh, we just needed to string a few things together to get a result, and we we had a, a great practice day leading into the racing. Had a tough toughish day yesterday where we just didn't start well, and so today we wanted to get a couple of good starts and see if we can you know turn those into good results. And the first one we. Second around the first mark, but managed to sort of uh, yeah. pooch the first run, um, um, which was really frustrating because you know we we felt like we deserved better than the result we got there. But then to sort of bounce back and have a second in the last one was really satisfying.
0: Yeah, I think you, you were winning at times in that second one as well. But like you say, maybe that the hunger from the first race really pushed you um, over the over the edge to, to go well in that second one.
5: Yeah, well I think we we're just more frustrated because yeah, just the first one felt like it should have been a better result than what it was, and. Uh, um, but you know, it, it's sailing. It's sailing in these conditions. It's sailing in these, you know, tough teams, and you, you you've got to get everything right. And um, but it was really, yeah, it was satisfying to you know mix it up at the front, and yeah, you know, hopefully um, Bermuda we can take it another step further.
7: Yeah, finally we had a good race. Um, you know, we've been saying all week and all at the last event. You know, we know we can do it, and you know we had a great start and we kept it very simple. I think once you get to Mark One in first position, and with the lead work like we did when we got there. It's just about keeping it simple the whole way around. For us to, to execute a good race in front of the home crowd, in front of all these people who are coming down here to watch us sail, and um, you know, we felt like heroes and it was awesome. And uh, it was just a huge team effort, you know, to keep putting the boat back together, getting it on the water this week, and uh, you know, it was a perfect way to repay everyone for all their hard work
0: a tough day out there Ben. I think it's kind of nice to see the results mixed up a bit because at this point of the game you want people to stay in the race, you want to keep thinking about that overall America's Cup at the end of this.
9: Well that's right and that's the nature of this racing of course with the double points and we saw Artemis who really struggled for not really follow fault of their own with, it, with breaking their boards yesterday and won the first race and all of a sudden they were right in there exactly. with a chance so it really does open the doors to anyone on that final day to uh, to get the to go out and have a good day, you've, you've got a good shot at winning, and that's about keeping it open for the spectators, the fans, as competitors, we have to deal with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know it can be tricky, and even the breeze today makes it, and it increases the pressure a little bit, because you don't always know exactly what's going to happen, and maybe a, a bit of a, a gear issue in the second race, in terms of speed?
9: Yes, well, we, we made a slight issue, mistake with our, our setup, um, which, which happens. Um, uh, put us on the back foot, we didn't start well enough either, and so we really really had to fight quite hard.
0: Pete, what a glamour, you went out, had a two and a one, did what you had to do. How's it feel to win your first America's Cup World Series event?
6: Yeah, well, we're obviously absolutely stoked to, to come away with the win there in that last race and uh, we we're really happy with how the first race went to, to tie it all up after after yesterday and then uh, to come away with the goods in the, the last race and to be able to knock over you know a few of the, the heroes from the last America's Cup uh, under pressure like that was um, yeah, really pleasing for us as a new team. Yeah,
0: absolutely awesome. I, I spoke to Ashby yesterday. And he said that, you know, having you on board and having just come back from Rio, having a little bit of the touch happening in in light air may have been a a strength for you guys and that might have shown today.
6: Yeah, we definitely spent a lot of time drifting around in Rio and uh, just trying to finesse the boat around in some lighter air. And uh, for us, I think that's a real strength of uh, Blair and myself being doing so much yachting and... And uh, other other areas but um, yeah, no, we're really really happy that how it gelled today and and uh, how we how uh, we managed to get away with a win in the last one.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. Now I've been with you when you won the Moth Worlds this year, I was there in Weymouth. You, then you went on to Rio. You're 17 on the run in the in the 49er, and then this one. I mean, where are you going to stop, mate?
6: Oh, we're just trying to keep it going, to be honest. Um, yeah, we're really happy with how we're going at the moment. We know everyone's charging just as hard to to try and catch us, and uh, we're just trying to keep pushing forward.
0: So there you have it, the end of another edition of the Louis Vuitton America's Cup World Series here in Gothenburg. Absolutely awesome. Emirates Team New Zealand took their first win, followed by Oracle Team USA, and then the prior winner for the event in Portsmouth. Land Rover BAR, incredible, incredible racing today, very light, very tricky, very shifty and great to catch up with so many of these skippers and team members as well, massive efforts by the shore crews here and congrats to the organisers for another great event. As for me, signing off here in Europe, I'm heading back to Australia, this has been the end of magnificent 12 weeks here in Europe and I can't wait for more adventures, thank you so much for joining me, and there's plenty more to come. That's it for show 46. <laughs> what, what a way to try and squeeze interviews from 12 weeks into one radio show. But as I've said, there's plenty more action on the website, guys. Make sure you head there, www.adventuresofasailagirl.com or find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at sailorgirl 218 You can also find me on Snapchat for plenty more adventures in between. I'm back in Australia to train really, really hard to try and get myself back into shape to have a crack at the Taser Nationals at the end of this month. And then the Queensland Etchell's dates. And then maybe there might be another adventure on the cards. We'll have to wait and see, trying to get that one sorted at the moment, but I'll keep you posted. If you have any news or any adventures that you think we should be following, please get in touch with me via the website, via Facebook, via wherever I want to hear from you. And I'll be back next week with plenty more action. This is Nick Douglas for Adventures of a Sailor Girl. It's pretty nice to be back down under. You're listening to Sunset Radio, the Sailor's radio station.